It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we're learning from Mixed Blouse. Now, Mixed Blouse is a musician who took a little while to figure out that they wanted to be a musician. Before that, they were a political journalist and a fashion journalist. But yeah, these days, Mixed Blouse, instead of contributing to magazines, is on the cover of magazines uh, like The Lake and has also been interviewed plenty by, you know, Times Live and all the different media outlets. So yeah, Mixed Blouse is doing all right for themselves as a musician these days, but is still struggling to get playlisted on the damn radio. Now, why is that? Well, in the podcast, we get into it and figure out it might be, it might just have something to do with Mixed Blouse's gender identity because they are gender non-binary, which means they don't subscribe to the boy-girl dynamic that uh, the rest of society has, you know, kind of gone along with for the last few years, the last couple hundred. I mean, the gender thing has ebbed and flowed throughout our history, but uh, it's coming back into conversation these days, and it's really dope that people are able to express themselves more freely these days uh, than before, which is something we definitely get into on the podcast, but it still has its issues. Uh, People still, you know, view someone like Mixed Blouse as being alternative uh, just because of the way they present themselves. So they're not necessarily getting the opportunities on air that they should be getting with the music that they're making because while Mixed Blouse's music is slightly different, um, definitely, and that's what's cool about it. You know, they're creating original music with really dope producers like Torix and like Albany Law, like Parable. Shout out to Parable, who actually is uh, one of the reasons why this was set up. Partially was also because of uh, <laughs> Mixed Blouse's management, but. Yeah, shout out to Parable. And also, by the way, you can go listen to the Tor Rickson interview that I did ages ago now. Uh, but yeah, so Mixed Blouse works with some really dope producers to produce some really interesting music. But like I said, uh, sometimes doesn't necessarily get the props they deserve. And it could have something to do with just the way the media handles, you know, gender identity, especially in South Africa. But thankfully, uh, there is more queer representation these days in the media, both locally and overseas. And so we get into that. We discuss the positives of, you know, being gender non-conforming or being gender non-binary in 2019. That if, you know, Mixed Blouse had tried to do these things at an earlier stage, it would have been a lot harder for them. And these days, they are definitely, you know, able to present themselves in the way that they want to present themselves and it's no longer, you know, like I bring up in the in the conversation, in the freak section of People magazine. Because that's what I remember, you know, like gender non-conforming and gender non-binary people and trans people and just queer people who don't present themselves the same way that, you know, society wants them to. Like, that's always been a thing that's been ostracized. And thankfully, times are changing. And that's dope, but they haven't changed. You know, they have. it's not completely done yet. So we do discuss that a little bit, but mostly we just get into Mixed Blouse's life. And it's been an exciting one, and it's been an interesting one. 
I love the story that uh, Mixblouse gives us for their political journalism career. Turns out, used to be a producer for the Justice Malala show. I think it was a producer. Um, that or showrunner. The person who has to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And they've got a cool story with Greta Mantashe, which uh, you're going to have to just tune, stay tuned to hear about. They also say that uh, fashion parties are the best parties. And I've been to one or two, and they are pretty damn dope. But we, we discussed the golden days of uh, blogging and influencers when uh, brands just used to send people shit for free a lot. Like influencer culture these days, people are getting paid and stuff like that. But there was a wild west of blogging and of uh, journalism, I guess, back in the day. So we, we banter about that a little bit, which is quite fun. And we also just discussed the Cape Town music scene. We discussed how Mixed Blouse started making music, first as a fan, as a journalist who, you know, interviewed someone like Torixen and is now a musician working with someone like Torixen. So it's a cool thing about coming full circle. It's a cool conversation where, you know, another one of those things of, you start out in your early 20s or your late teens thinking, this is what I want to do. This is who I'm going to be. And by the time you get to 30, you're like, I am something completely other than what I thought I was going to be. And that's a dope thing. And that's why like, I've been enjoying these podcasts in general. It's just getting the stories from people, you know, finding out how, how people get to where they are. I love it. Like, it's just because, you know, the stories do get broken down fairly into the two different categories in my mind. You know, this one's of the taking, you know, different ways to get to where you want to be or not necessarily knowing where you want to be and finding it as time goes on. And then there's those other people, those motherfucking, I don't know what to call y'all, but you're you're special because you know what you want to do from the age of like five. Like you're drawing and you're just like, cool, I'm just going to draw forever. And then you make that happen. Those people, like... Uh, like I, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that like you can have these goals that you know take you throughout your life and just guide you. And you're like, cool, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm gonna do. But the rest of us are like, what the fuck am I good at? How am I gonna get there? And uh, it takes a little bit of a journey. So mixed blouses, someone who thought they knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to get into politics, uh, political journalism. And there's now actually a musician. So I love that. And I think it's a cool story that you're going to enjoy. And if you do enjoy it, well, guess what? You can go and like us on Facebook. Uh, we are the Almost Perfect Podcast there. You can also follow us on Twitter at almost underscore podcast. I am Almost Perfect Bob on Instagram. And, and, and if you really like the podcast, you can chip in a little bit of cash. That's what you can do. You can pay a dollar or five dollars to be a patron on our Patreon. You go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. And this allows you to get some extra access. Like um, I did let people know ahead of time that Mixblouse was going to be on the podcast. So you'll, that's the thing. You'll get info about who's going to be on the podcast. You can get to ask questions. And I do competitions sometimes. So you might just win something if you go and be a patron over on patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. And the competition we had last month, it's a bit weird because no one actually officially entered. Y'all did the thing you were meant to do, except for the final part. So I asked people to go and leave me a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and people did, but no one did the next thing because I was like, send me a screenshot. Please send me a screenshot of it because I'm I meant to know who you are on, on, on iTunes. Come now. 
So no one's done that yet. So I guess the first person to send me a screenshot of their review on iTunes will win themselves, um, what's it, a Winston bar tab of 250 Rand and free entry for you and three friends to any gig uh, over the next month or so. I don't even know if there's that time limit of the next month or so. Just, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss it. Just email me at almostperfectpod.com almostperfectpod.com, I wish, almostperfectpod at gmail.com, and yeah, send me the screenshot, send me the vibe, and I'll give you that bar tab, that's simple, thank you to everyone who has actually reviewed the podcast over on iTunes, it does help a lot if you can carry on doing that, that would be cool, uh, if you haven't done it yet, you know, go, go just write saying that you enjoy the podcast, or just leave the stars thing, the stars thing is great, you can also obviously subscribe on whatever app you use, we are on all the platforms, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on most of the podcast platforms, one other thing I do have some notes about this episode, unfortunately, uh, the sound quality is not as good as the last few that I've been doing, because we had to record directly on the Zoom mic, which is great, it's still, you know, pretty good quality, well, it's good quality, it's just not as great as what you're hearing right now, because unfortunately, one of my microphones isn't working at the moment, I'm not too sure what the issue is, but thankfully, there are enough patrons, and there's a bit of money in the Patreon account, that I'm going to be able to hopefully get a fix soon, so thank you to everyone who has contributed to the Patreon, you've allowed me to do so much already, um, I've managed to just improve the podcast in, you know, small ways, bit by bit, with getting more equipment, and so thank you so much to everyone who has done that, and thank you for listening this far, so far, here comes the Almost Perfect Podcast with Mix Blouse. How am I living? Mansions <laughs> and Benzes. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, I'm living nice, you know? Yeah. Um, but my definition of nice wouldn't be Benzes and Benzes and Mansions, you know? It would be... Um, to Durban to perform a cool gig at yeah. Sunday school. 100%. You said it went really well, even though it was it windy went, and cold and everything. It went so well. Yeah. So, I mean, I have no reference for what a good Durban gig is. Um, I mean, if people show up, it's a good Durban gig. Listen, people showed up and best of all, they were engaging with the music. Um, it seemed some of them were familiar with the music, which was a really great thing for me. Um, well, weren't you expecting that? <clears throat> <laughs> like you're the headline act at the game 100% but I, I mean I'm, 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 I'm not exactly a mainstream artist no but yeah. your name's out there you've been especially in the internet circles like you know your name's yeah. been like around you've been on times you've been on the cover of the lake <laughs> like you know yeah I don't know I just I mean I, I guess I spent so much time just like between Joburg and Cape Town and I kind of think of, of them as because I, I play gigs there, that's yeah. where people are aware of what I do. But of course, I, in my brain, as much as I put my music out on on the internet to make it available for everyone, you don't realize it, it's actually it's, it's, you, you never realize it's actually reaching people. It's like it's a magical thing that to be able to reach people in places so far and wide it is like that's <clears throat> i think the thing we all are so lucky and grateful for like any creative in 2019 has to be like just so appreciative of the internet yeah 100 i don't what i don't think 
would I be able to do what I'm doing without the internet? You know, it would because be such a struggle. It would be such a struggle because I think to back in the day, I would have had to wait for some A and R to spot me yep. from some record label, right? And looking at the kind of artist that I am, first of all, I'm gender non-conforming, which is something that people are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then I'm also making this mishmash of music that no one quite knows how to categorize, you know? But isn't that, aren't those um, like meant to be like selling points? Like they artists should, in history as, have been as, like as utilizing those to you would think, for themselves. You would think that would be the case, but... I doubt that a label would have signed me in those times when you needed a label. Yeah. You know, signing someone like me. Even now, I actually doubt there is... Um, there aren't de- too many definitely, labels. There aren't too many labels that would look at me and think, okay, this is someone <laughs> we can sign. And so the internet really plays a huge role for me, definitely, in what I do. Um, I don't know how people did it before. Jeez. Mm. Uh, with uh, the industry essentially like I just look Mm. back at history and nothing really seems organic uh, Mm. when you really look at like even you know like a simple thing of like the Sex Pistols they were like a manufactured band essentially they were put together they were a boy band like you look you know that was because of fashion essentially as well because Mm. of Vivian Westwood and her husband you know they put together this punk band to sell their clothes essentially and like that's what the music industry has always been and now it seems like it's actually become a decentralized thing. It's as become the punk thing that we always wanted it to be. As with, as, as with most things, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, what the internet does is that it just, like, allows a multitude of voices. Even voices we didn't know existed before. Exactly. You know? No. I definitely do not recall a time um, when I was a kid being able to pick up a magazine and read about... Um, trans people. Yeah, I don't recall. Well, not it. not in a positive light. At least not in a positive light. Would be I like People re- magazine as like a freak section. Kind of yeah, yeah, freak section things. <laughs> you know, I don't recall a time. Um, reading about kids in, I don't know, pick a country, just having a good time and have a scene forming around something. And so now because like people are able to put things out on the internet and it's easy to find these things, you you suddenly start to realize, oh my God, like my world was just so small. And it's allowed new communities to actually form and people to discover each other across like, you know, just their communities. Because obviously we all grew up like thinking, you know, we're different in different ways. But for some people, obviously, those differences are more highlighted. And, like, I would assume for yourself, like, mm-hmm. you've probably had, you know, struggles with that. You know, people giving you shit yeah. about it. Yeah. And, you know, did the internet help you find other like-minded people? 100%. Um, like, as I'm explaining, I... Gender non-binary? And you are making music? I don't recall that. Like, just being a, a thing. A thing. Like, <laughs> no, like, the, like, it would have been, like, you know, being androgynous would have been, like, the closest thing to, like, that. And yeah. nowhere near the same thing, obviously. Yeah, and then you'd probably... You'd probably have to sell yourself as something other than what you are. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think of... 
David Bowie. That's that's <laughs> the guy who's in my mind with like that. When I was thinking of the androgyny, like yeah. being sold as like you know this product essentially. Exactly. And it was so you know groundbreaking because he was a man being more feminine. He exactly. Was, yeah. So if it was me identifying as that and doing that, but I don't think it would have been yeah. would have, would have been received as as positively like you're correct in saying like he's a cisgender at least this is how he sold himself to be yeah. a cisgendered male person um who's seen as edgy exactly <laughs> but i mean that's always happened though i think yeah like, like i'm I, just I'm, I'm just adding to the point that in those days you would be convinced that you can't do it because you wouldn't have a phone to take and look at Twitter and realize there's maybe not a million, but a few, a good few thousand people who think the way you do. Yeah, and also... To I mean, find that community, to find that audience, to be able to say, I don't have to... I don't have to cater to the audience that I'm told exists. I know this audience exists for me. And it becomes easier that way to change a lot of people's minds um, because now they're also exposed to to a world that they might not understand but are probably interested in. Like, it's so crazy for me just walking in Joburg and uh, finding a lot of, like, cisgendered straight boys telling me how much they dig my music. But if you were to tell that to an executive at Sony or something, they would they think that you. it's silly, you know? <laughs> so is that a struggle that you're having, like, at the moment? Like, the I'm music? not looking for a record label. Okay, but, I like... I not want one. I know you have mentioned... <laughs> I know you mentioned in interviews, though, like, being playlist can be an issue sometimes. It's an issue. It's an issue. And when I started, I was submitting my, my stuff to radio stations. I just don't do it anymore. Why not? You just... But pointless... I find I think I think it's a pointless exercise. I mean, um, I think there are other ways. You have to know the music compiler. One hundred percent. Like you know? essentially, um, like that's the easiest way to get it done. Is or or just have a yeah have a relationship with someone at the station. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, if you are not that kind of schmoozy person, then it sucks for you. It does because <laughs> I don't think that many people do their jobs that well in radio. Yeah, like it's. You know, someone like because I'm just talking about. I worked on a community radio station, yeah. so like I got a lot of music on just because I was like, send me the music, yeah. And like I will give it to the music people and tell them it's good, and they'll put it on, and mm. they did. But mm. other than that, you know, people would email music in constantly, but mm. there's not enough time in the day to even go through all of it. So yeah. people will look at who's the email from first. One hundred percent. But I think that the other thing, like I, what I've learned with which really just becomes discouraging for me as an artist. Um, you know, you speak to people who work at these stations, like a lot of DJs try to push for artists like me to, to be on radio. Yeah. And in various stations, there have been people who are somehow are allowed leeway to interview an independent artist who's not playlisted in the station. And we're grateful for those people because for that one 
um, time your single would will be heard, heard on the radio. <laughs> on the radio. Um, even though that radio station will never ever ever playlist you. And some of them have um, said to me, you know, we do try to speak to these people, but there's just so much bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, you know, because well, yeah, I think a lot of it be so long. It's got to fit certain parameters to get on certain radio stations. Like yeah. they've literally got like a list of things. It's like one hundred percent. I'm just saying this because also I think a lot of people tend to blame like radio DJs because they are the faces of the station. Yeah, radio DJs and most radio stations don't have any say in the music that's being exactly. played. There's someone else playing it, they get to talk. So there's an executive producer who gives them a script when they get there yeah. and they go, cool, so this is what we're talking about today. And that's their job. They talk about these things, they tell you what song's yeah. played. When they get to work, those songs are already there. So, 100%. But some people... It's not like, like, ah, Bob doesn't even play my song and it's on the radio. <laughs> yeah, whereas I, I... I had control of the playlist. It was quite fun. <laughs> like, independent... Like, yeah. community radio is definitely, I think... Different to commercial radio. Yeah, and a lot more fun. Um, I, mm-hmm. Like, I, I quit the community thing because I just uh, need money. Okay. <laughs> so, it's difficult. But also, I don't really want to be on... Like yeah. mainstream radio because I just feel like, as, like there's guys doing it well, you know, like Nick Hammond and stuff. Like you know, mm-hmm. like that would be that would kind of be my kind of role, you know. Like mm. would be someone who knows the rock music scene, but also crosses over and like, you know, has a lot of musical knowledge and stuff like that. But the thing is, I'm like just an opinionated asshole who said <laughs> so much shit. That, like, yeah. if I ever got, like, on a major station, like, I think I would last two days before my tweets. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, just to get back on the radio <laughs> thing, I'm not anti my music being on radio. But, um, one, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. It hasn't happened. And I totally get that um, my music probably doesn't fit with a lot of formats. Um but what, I struggle to understand why. I, I, yeah. I find that my music has quite a, an appeal. Yeah, your, your appeal. beats are a little bit interesting, but like the general sound is, you know, like... Palatable. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's not like just palatable. It's good. Like I enjoy it. But what I'm saying is like, you know, it's got traditional sounds to it. It's like, but you, you pick cool people to work with who do non-traditional things like with yeah. the music, like guys like Torixen and Albany Law and stuff like that. Mm. But... What you're doing is still delivering raps, essentially. Like Yeah, one hundred percent. So um, like I don't get why <laughs> it's such a strange thing. Yeah. But I mean at the end of, at the end of the day you also have to realise like I think my presentation as an artist also just jars a lot of people. Your visual like presentation. My visual presentation. And you can't divorce the visual presentation from the music. No, it's a big component of it. You, you know what I mean? Well, like... So, because I remember one email that I got from a station that I won't mention was like, <laughs> the sound is too alternative. And in my head, I was like, no, the sound is not alternative. You looked at me and thought alternative. Because <laughs> the song was probably just like a straight up like song that would fit the radio station. It was, it's Pugu Pugu. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, come on. <laughs> I've heard songs since that sound like it, like on like the station. So I'm with you there, man. Uh, oh, that's fucking. But then at the same time, look, you get acts like Fucker who are like 
being played on major stations now. So do you th- and the kind of talk I th- like are they being played on major I've, stations? I mean, are they? I've heard one or two. I mean, I don't know. I I I, I mean, don't know any state, local I, station that um playlists Saga, but they've certainly been shows that have played them. Because okay, because I've heard them on radio and I've. But also, I, like, yeah, walking around Durban, I hear it, like, every now and again, like, yeah. one or two of their tracks, like, out of taxis and out of things. So, like, like to me, like, their songs are starting to penetrate, like, the mainstream, like... It's gum, it, as it should. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the sound of now. If you are saying you are not playlisting Farah, you better have a good fucking reason why yeah, not. Yeah, because they're fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But... Um, so, but like them, and then like the kind of completely different genre, but being a queer artist in South Africa, who's obviously like, probably like one of the biggest now, like mm-hmm. in, in South Africa and internationally. 100%. Does that give you like hope, like of being, cause you know, you can hear Nakanye on mm-hmm. any station now, like. Um, I've always been a fan of Nakanye's, even way before Nakanye got as big as Nakanye is right yeah. now. Um but I don't know man like I because like you were saying earlier like you know you didn't have that representation growing up but now slowly but surely like in the mainstream mm. you know you start there to see are more... people yeah yeah I think um it's nice to see that there's more people who don't fit it's and for me it's just like beyond even um gender or sexuality or whatever it is just like different people of different kinds are just doing things now you know um lizzo there is is that how you pronounce her name probably lizzo i don't know um you know um who else can i think of just like the diversity that is being allowed to exist in the cultural space now, you know, um, that's encouraging um, for anyone who is different. Um, so yeah, I can't. There's no one artist that I can pinpoint. Oh, no, that wasn't, art- that's the thing. I wasn't trying to say like one artist or whatever. I was just saying like in general, like does yeah. it appear like are you, are you more hopeful even though you've had this issue with radio like of not being playlist and stuff mm-hmm. does seeing other artists like you know other queer artists and other artists doing different things succeeding at it and being playlisted and mm-hmm. getting on covers like i mean you've been on fucking magazine covers so <laughs> it's, i hate that like the playlisting mm-hmm. thing like hasn't really happened for you yet I don't, and I, I mean, I, 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 like I said, because I don't submit anymore, it probably yeah. isn't going to be happening anytime soon. Fair enough. And I really, but do you think you can go without, like, I mean, your career already is doing fine without it, so. Um, I, I mean, my career could do better, but. <laughs> sure. I think everyone's can. I just don't want to expand as much energy as I need to in order to convince some music compiler somewhere that they should put me on radio. Okay. I think I'm I'm also just I don't know, maybe I'm just being stubborn, but <laughs> I oh I have this idea that I'm just gonna make it impossible for anyone to ignore what I'm doing. Yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> classic <laughs> I'm just gonna make it impossible for them to ignore it. I'm just gonna um, people are always like, when is the EP coming? I'm like, I'm dropping singles every month. Can you not see? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I'm dropping sales and people are always like, you know, whenever I look at your social media, you're always working. And the truth is I am, you know? Um I'm always working and I'm working precisely because um I think I've got something worth sharing and I'm sharing it. And if radio won't let me share it, there's other tools at my disposal. Yeah, like we're saying the internet is definitely a big one. One hundred percent. Also, you've um, got a history in the media, right? I do. I worked as a journalist, and I thought that's what I was gonna do for the rest of my life. But life always has other plans, which is great. Jesus. So, okay, tell, me, <laughs> tell me about that. Like, uh, just how did you get into journalism, and why? Um, I took a gap year after high school because I had no idea what to do. I had registered for a sound engineering course. I registered for a fashion course. I re- so something creative. Like- yeah, I registered for a ton of things, but I never attended anything. So I ended up, sorry, do I keep... It's all good. Um, um, I ended up just like confused as to what to do. So I took a gap year, worked as a barman. And then during that year, I was thinking to myself, okay, because I, I didn't have a lot of money to study. There was just like a chunk of money that was like, okay, here you go, sort yourself out. Um, and so I had to make fast decisions. And you had to make the correct decision. Yeah, but... exactly. And I was like, okay, the only thing I know how to do is write. And I'm a curious person. Ta-da! Journalism. <laughs> and so did you, did you think just regular journalism or were you like... Oh, I thought I was going to do politics. Ooh, I mean, sad. that's the... that's. In South Africa, that's that's the elite. That, that is, and then you're gonna get your book deal. One hundred percent for the Daily Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're a political journalist, it's big things that and you get at, to speak at like events. At some at some point, you know, if you are these political journalists, you become a spokesperson for Minister Mang Mang. <laughs> So you always want to be a bit of a rock star, but like a joking. rock star, <laughs> a rock star spokesperson. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to the, to the journalism thing, thinking I'm gonna write politics because I'm also big into politics. I love politics. What do you mean you um, love politics? Like, I love. What, I think it's the best. Like... Yeah, it's the best soap opera. Yeah, ever. As, as a wrestling fan, nothing comes close to politics. <laughs> <laughs> It is an amazing, but I I generally care about politics because of the effect that it has on people's lives. But yeah. also, it's not a boring thing. No. <laughs> you know, like you read up every day what's happening in politics, and you just like Jesus, mate. But that also is like the biggest frustration that I have about it. <laughs> like, is that like it just seems like the most insane people are always like politicians. Like, I think the stakes are that high. Like you just think, become insane. Like you yeah, start out as a normal person and you just get driven insane by your job. One hundred percent. You know, like, like when you watch House of Cards and how he gradually just gets himself into these situations. Both of them. Okay, I haven't seen the show. You haven't like, seen the no, show. No. <laughs> okay. Like, I always just assume everyone watched it. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. House of Cards was 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 crazy because it's this couple who are hungry for power. 
And they just get into the craziest situations. Like, just blackmailing shit, just like... Murder, murder all the things. It's cool, I feel you. All the things, you know? And I, I think the stakes are that high when you're in politics. Especially if, you, if you're in politics in KZN, the stakes are a little bit higher. Like, <laughs> like you, it's kill or be killed. Bruh, it's lit! It's lit, it's lit. It's like proper... Generations doesn't have... I don't know what soap people watch these days, but that shit ain't got shit on politics. Like... Like, the str- truth is stranger than fiction, essentially. Bruh. And then Donald Trump is... That, that is on another level. American politics is just another level. Well, yeah, like, they're a prime <laughs> example of what happens when, like, T- like TV literally poisons you. Yeah, 100%. It's crazy. It's just like, oh my God, this is like a, a bunch of crazy adults and they run the world. It's, but yeah, <laughs> so I thought that's what I was going to do. You're going to um, cover all these, uh, yeah, gonna these cover crazy all people. of these crazy things. And then I started working at Reuters. Oh, nice. Um, so you just started out the gate at like the biggest... No, so I was looking there. for um, that... What do you call... I can't, the hours that you need to complete for your um for school okay um work experience vibes yeah and then so i can't remember how i got into reuters i think i met i met one of the guys who worked for reuters tv so video dude and i was like to him yo i need to complete these hours for school um I can't pass if I don't have these hours, so do you mind if I shadow you? Or something like that. Worked with them for those hours, and it turned out the intern was leaving. And just perfect timing. Perfect timing. It was December, and I, like, the day after I finished my last school exam, I was starting my internship. Um, internship. That was awesome. It was great. And, and the internship finished within a year, and... Next thing, I had a job at ENCA. So, I mean... So, you know, there you got to do the politics thing a little bit. Yeah, I did. I, I was producing Justice Malala's show. It was Oh, hectic. wow. I remember Gwede Mandashe making me shit my pants. Were you having to make phone calls to them? Yeah. <laughs> so, I had to get Gwede Mandashe. <laughs> I had to get Gwede Mandashe on the show. And this valley is just like hectic, bro. And I'm thinking, oh my fuck, this man is not going to pitch for the show tomorrow. <laughs> Because it was a live show. It was live, so you needed the... It was a live show. So, Gwede hasn't confirmed and it's Friday afternoon and my boss is like, we need to put a promo on air. Is Gwede coming or now? So, I wrote the promo and said Gwede is coming. And just pray. And this man was just refusing to give me confirmation. We put the promo on air, so now I don't have a choice and I'm sitting... You rolled your dash now, like, Maryland. I'm like, a, yeah, okay. this is Saturday night now, and I'm thinking, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do if Gwede Mantashe doesn't pitch tomorrow morning. Did you not have a backup plan? But I had zero. <laughs> zero. Zero. Like, no political advisor <laughs> friends. No, I mean, like, you also... No I, I, call. I, I'm probably... How old was I? I was probably, like, 22 years old. Oh, so you don't even have the contacts to, like, be able to have, like, a backup plan. Not at all. I think I honestly got that job because they just didn't want to pay someone who's experienced. <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, that was a huge job 
that is not supposed to go to an inexperienced 22 year old person you know what i mean but i was in it straights gave you an opportunity i was in it and i was rolling with it the show starts at half past nine on sunday morning i pitch to work at half past eight i am I don't know what to tell Justice Malala. The man is having his makeup did. He's getting ready to... To interview... To interview Greta Mantashe. I'm trying to call Greta. He's not picking up his phone, bro. At nine o'clock, he walks in. I have never been so relieved in my life. And I can't remember what he said, but he shouted at me something about my unprofessional manner in, in in dealing with him. In dealing with him. So that's why he just decided he was not. And I'm just like, yo, 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 yo. It's deep. I think that was my awakening. I was like, okay, I'm a political journalist. What the fuck? <laughs> it became real. It became real. Um, but I didn't last very long. How come? While I was doing it, I was freelancing as a fashion writer. Awesome. And that's that. I loved that, you know. Um, it was fun. I mean, just looking at photos of you and you in general. Yeah. I, I would was, take it to enjoy fashion. It was it. fun. It was creative. Got to go to all the best parties. Oh, is it a fashion party? It's the best party. Listen. Listen. I'm the fashion party. What? People who worked in fashion when I worked in fashion will tell you, like, you you actually... Please, first of, please tell me some fashion stories. Like, I'll, So I people who work it. in fashion are generally, like, really low-paid. Yeah, like, from what I understand. <laughs> yes. There is no money, but there are so many freebies. Like, the freebies are crazy. I think things so it's have, like the music industry. I think things have changed now because, like, with the whole influencer thing, influencers are actually getting a lot of money. But in my in my time, the blogging thing was just starting out. I was probably one of the more popular bloggers. So I get to get flown all over the country for yeah. events. Yeah, I got flown once or twice. You know, sleeping in the ho- fancy hotels. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and again, um, some PR person will send you a Tom Ford perfume. Uh, were, you, were you on floor with Adidas at all? Did, were you a part of that like thing? No, that, like, that, that one year where they were just giving everyone shoes. I think that was even... Because um, like the streetwear thing happened after I left fashion. Uh, okay. Um, when I was in fashion, it was still like these top fashion houses. And the oh, local... Yeah, and the local industry was also just spending a lot of money on things yeah and brands were spending a lot of money on things i remember because i was getting sent a lot of shit just for doing as yours and i was dating someone who also had a website and she was just getting like gangbusters like perfumes yeah like super expensive things but like Mm. never getting paid but like nah like you never had money but but you were were always always looking fly looking fly smelling good drinking (laughs) champagne at all the parties so it was a trip. illusion of like, like living a good life. <laughs> exactly. It was a trip. And I was in it for a long time. Just like living nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was just never happy. Really? Yeah. Why not? I think deep down inside me, I knew that's not what I, I was supposed to be doing. But was it just too shallow or like just... I never thought... 
about it. I, I just felt depressed all the time, <laughs> you know. And so you're just like, I need to make a change. and then I need to make a change. So I got out of the journalism game, went the consumer trends research way. Okay, what was, is consumer trends research? For um, those who don't know, it was super, it's market research, basically. <laughs> okay. It was super interesting. I worked for an, an agency that basically advised um, big companies and advertising agencies on strategy. Okay. Um, I think, like, what strategists do in, in well, are supposed to be doing in ad agencies... Is what, you were doing. is what we were basically doing. Um, obviously, with a, a lot more research into it, because we had to prove what we were saying. We couldn't... With stats and like... Yeah, 100%. Did you do trend forecasting at all or anything like that? Yeah, so. that's part of the whole thing. Okay. Um, so you have to forecast trends. Um, what's super interesting. Yeah. And like, but what's that like? Like, I mean, what's your like hit rates like when it comes to that kind of thing? What do you mean hit rate? Like, you're, you're predicting a trend. How often did they happen? It's actually not as difficult as most people think it is. Okay. You know? <laughs> Talk me through. Um, so, like, the woman I learned from used to say to me, if you see something happening three times, always use that as, the, as a sign. Okay. Um, so, you start at, okay, I've seen this once, I've seen this twice, I've seen this three times, and then start investigating. Most trends are informed by, at the foundation of it is a need, is addressing a need. Okay. So how you anchor whether a trend is real or not, because there are many that aren't a real thing. Yeah, they're just in the sense in the that medium. yeah, in the sense that they won't change consumer behavior. Because our thing was um, pinpointing consumer behavior and how it will. Um, inform buying decisions in future okay. you know um, and if you can't link a trend back to a certain need you know it's not a trend and then you look at other factors including what's happening politically what's happening where that person lives um, economics yeah. and there's a lot of different strands to it but when you put it all together you are able to see that this is a real thing and it's gonna be sustained because of one two three four it's rather scientific no like i I get that like i find that fascinating because i like data-driven stuff in general like i think yeah and we (laughs) also use a lot of history like you you know... Because trends are cyclical, essentially. Yeah, 100%. You know, in, 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 in the 60s, or was it 70s, um, there was protest, freedom, um, what do you call it? <laughs> are they called hipsters? What are they called? <laughs> Hippies. Hippies. <laughs> the whole hippie movement happened because of cer- certain factors yeah. in society. So you... You always use the past to also look at how people can affect the future. Yeah, reacted to certain events. Um, you know. Okay, that's really interesting. But do you use that at all in your music? Like when you're creating something, like no, you haven't looked at like trends at all, or why not? No, because would that be disingenuous for you? Yeah, yeah. Like this, this is for me to express myself. 
Okay. You know, <laughs> you know, um, I I definitely like using the knowledge for other things. Like, um, I understand um, that I have to put out content and good content at that. Yeah. So that there's there's strategy involved with that, obviously. Yeah. There's always a little bit of strategy with that. Um, you know, I'm constantly reading things like when is the best time to put out content <laughs> I, so, like, so, yeah, i've been through that thing so many times and like, <laughs> i'm just i'm so over it i'll just put it up when i'm ready to, like it's ready now cool let's do it <laughs> look it's a lot of work um but these things work but they also work with consistency this is the yeah. other thing i think um, a lot of people forget consistency so you said you're putting out a single every month is that i was lying no, no hell because i was gonna say i saw the last thing i heard from you was in january there was a video um i mean i've generally been putting out work um at an increased rate lately there's also features coming out i had one with just um java oh cool coming out recently Two weeks ago. Yeah, he had a good album, I think it was, on was it No, so this is part of an EP that he's working on. So but this is like the first single from the EP. But he had a he had a release. He had an EP last year. Yes, okay, cool, yeah. Yeah. So we did a track together and I did a track with Maramza, which oh, um, snap. That's is awesome. coming soon as Love well. Him. Um But my own track, the last one was in January. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Because you put out the video? May. Okay, what was that? Sorry, my bad. Ugufa. Um, it's a new track that I put out. Yes. And what's, yeah, what's the deal with the track? I don't know. Three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> it's rather new. Um, Ugufa is about death Ugufa means death in Zulu okay um, and I wrote it while I was sick and thinking I was gonna die <laughs> so it was your, it's about your own death yeah basically and basically telling death to fuck off because I'm <laughs> not ready to leave I like um, that yeah, <laughs> yeah but I wrote it when I was like seriously struggling and in pain and thinking fuck I'm dying <laughs> um, and I had this hallucination where I saw my ancestors standing around my bed and I'm like oh shit it's actually really done. It's happening um, now. Yeah, I'm dying. Um, and then I was listening to this German producer. What's his name again? It's from Alien Tape. There's a small electronic music label called Alien Tape. Okay. And I found this guy who signed there, and I was listening to his music, and there was this instrumental. It just drew me in. So I wrote the song to it. Little did I know Parable was going to send me a beat that worked so perfectly with the flow, hook, everything. I was like, wow, this song was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, Parable's dope. Parable actually um, asked me to interview, weird oh. enough, like um, months oh, okay. ago. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so like, I was really stoked when this worked out. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kiran. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he actually became a patron to ask, like, to interview you, although this oh, was sent wow. up through Angie and stuff, but yeah. Like, <laughs> That's so, my boy. That's so, yeah. my boy right there. Yeah. So it was like working with him. Like, well, how it's, did you guys work there? Like, it's so awesome. How actually, did we start working Well, how, yeah, how did that, like, come about? Like, he just sent you to the... Oh, so after I dropped... Um, music for the first time on SoundCloud, um, Believe the Bloom. Um, there was a track there that I did with Johnny Blood, Love Was a Liar. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And um, so Kuran, I'd met Kuran before like Cape Town party scene, but like okay. I, I... I've never met him, so I don't know. Like, I had no idea he made music and he didn't think that I made music. <laughs> he was just a kid I used to see at parties and that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, and we hung out sometimes, <laughs> but, you know, never anything. So he heard Love Was Lie and sent me a compliment. So as soon as I saw the compliment, I went into his profile, it's listened to his music, and I was like, well, let's do some shit together. And he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And we've just been working together ever since, and it's, it's great. Oh, snap. So you guys have done a lot of work together. 100%. I think so far we've done... <sighs> tracks that are out my first like real 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 single as in something i put out, out on um commercial platforms not soundcloud was called a fetish ain't love yeah and it's a very dancey track that was parable oh snap um okay I don't, actually i didn't know that was him yeah and then when i started taking the sound more towards the Kaito direction. Siajola was one I did with Parable. Dope, yeah. Um and then Ugufa, those are the three that are out, but we've You've got, got tons on the bank. Yo, so much. I, I've even lost count. <laughs> I've even lost count. But yeah, we do a lot of work together. We did three tracks now when I was in Cape Town. Um and so you're just waiting for them to come out. Um yeah. What made you move to the Kwato sound? This, okay, so... Because, um, I mean, it's not straight Kwato, though, like, at all. Yeah, 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 like, 100%. So, like, I mean, I call it Kwato because I think that's what I identify with culturally, number one. I think in a post-genre world, it's really pointless to put people into genre categories. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm with you. Um, I mean, it's useful when writing to say touches of this and this but i guess i guess it is um but you know like a lot of people call me a rapper because i rap at one point i thought i was a rapper (laughs) that's why i made rap music but i'm not you do rap but like so what are you then i mean i just see myself as as an artist and i I do not know what the music i make is called it's just music you know but I borrow a lot from Kwaito and I identify with Kwaito culturally because I grew up in a township. Um, but the music itself, I borrow from mainly four categories that I grew up listening to, which is Kwaito, hip hop, deep house, and um, like a little bit of jazz. Okay. Um, so I try to bring those together. And a lot of stuff that I discover along the way. Like, I, I, I don't listen to the radio. I get, so I get a lot of time to just, like, 
listen to dope music. Disappear into either Spotify or Apple Music or SoundCloud and I hear the some of the strangest things. And I'm like, I like that and I want to grab that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so how much work do you do on the like production side of things? Do you like take like ideas? So like, I, I, I don't know. I technically don't know how to produce a track, but yeah. I know how to tell you what I want. Okay, yeah. So that's, yeah. <laughs> so is that how you work on you Yeah. Sort of like with different people, it works differently. So before it was someone would send me a beat and then I'd try to rap on it, which is why I think... It, 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 you know getting to a point where I'm like okay this is this is the mixed blouse sound has taken so long yeah. it's because it, 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 I was trying to fit into what I think this is um, supposed to be when someone has sent me a beat but now you go back and forth a bit more there's a, a little bit more of back and forth I work very quickly Okay. Um, do you have like lyrics already written or do you hear the beat and then rap? Sometimes. I, I tend to... I'm not the type of person who is every day writing rhymes. <laughs> you know, I'm not every day writing rhymes, killing niggas and shit. Um, but like I'll be sitting maybe in a taxi or something and a, a thing will come to my head so I'll record a voice note or I'll write like the three lines that came to me. Yeah. And then, like what happened recently with a track I did with Tor, we got to the studio, zero plans. But then I remembered there was a little thing that I sent to him um, over a voice note. Um, yes, would say, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe it. Yes, would say, I don't believe. So I sent that to Tor. And I was like, yo, that sounds dope. So we got to the studio and we literally started so with, that with, with that. There's Woody, I don't believe, I don't be-. And as I was saying that, Tor was laying down the foundation for the track. And eventually we just built it up from there. And as he was writing the instrumental, I was writing the lyrics. And like, Were they just coming to free-flowing kind of stuff? 100%. Like? And that's, that's generally how I like working. But sometimes it's the work of actually just yeah. sitting down and like... Yeah, 100%. Together. And then I'll be like, I think we need to add a drone there or I think the BPM needs to go up. So it's a lot of co-production, um, which is why when people are like, who do you want to collaborate with? I'm like, every single track that I've got is a collaboration. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> people don't necessarily understand how music is actually created. yeah 100% and yeah how did you start working with Tor because he's phenomenal we've had him on this uh, podcast yes. before like, yeah so I, w- I once wrote about Tor for Sunday Times when I was working for Sunday Times casual yeah I was writing about fuck bread oh dope <laughs> yeah and then oh, I went that wasn't to... even that long ago yeah it was like 2013 yeah. Oh, wow, that is... The, no. 2014. Maybe 2014. Damn. I'm getting... Like, time passes you by. And I was still living in Cape Town, and I went to Yours Truly one afternoon, and she was playing there. And just, like, massive sets. I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm in love with this man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I even told him that night. I was like, I'm in love with you. <laughs> and, yeah, sort of... um. 
would go to tours gigs around the city. Um, but I never. So you were a fan the whole. Time. I was a fan. I was a huge fan of tours. Because tours are a fan of you. Like we chatted. Like and he's, yeah, like, I'm a huge fan you. of his. Yeah, and I think he also heard "Love Was a Lie." Okay. Yeah. So you think that song did a lot for you? Definitely. That's why I keep re-releasing it. <laughs> 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 so is that your favorite? Okay, I've only re-released it once, but yeah, that's... Is I, it such a favorite from the early stuff? It was, it's a favorite from the early stuff. I hope Johnny will write something like that for me again sometime. Yeah, when, I haven't heard new music from him in quite some time, actually. Yeah. Next time he's in Durban, definitely going to get him on this podcast. <laughs> he's got a long history with him. I think he's mad talented. Mad, mad talented. Um, but yeah, that track... Um... Because I think it has elements of who Mixed Blouse became. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I guess that's why it resonates so much with me and people who listen to me because they, I guess there's something genuine in it. Yeah, definitely. I get that. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get to fucking work with Tor. Like, <laughs> yes. Also, after being a fan, you like, and so you weren't even making music like when you were a fan. Like, no. Of, that's so cool. So, like, <laughs> like, you hadn't even thought, like, I'm going to start, like, rapping, singing, like, making, like, tracks at all. I just really think this guy's... I mean, I was thinking about it, but oh, it was... It felt like a silly idea to me. Yeah. You know? And I think it's like that for a lot of people, like, you know, youngsters, like... I mean, I just think of myself, like, with stand-up comedy, you know, like... Mm not thinking it was a thing you could actually do. No, it was just like <laughs> to me, okay, so you like having a good time and you like singing about it. You're not going to make a career of it. Like, come now. The least, you, the most you will do is DJ at parties. And I did that. I was DJing at parties. And I mean, that's how Johnny started. Good 100%. And then, I can't even remember how Johnny and I got to... I think I must have been super lit and I was just rapping. That was, that was like his first project. Like, yeah. Because like, he put something out before. Yeah, he had like a few little tracks that he had done before. Yeah. That was like the first like EP thing. like. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then he was like, yo, I'm going to send you beats. And I thought he was just fucking around. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And he sent me a bunch of beats. And I, like, now I'm going to rap. Yeah. And then that's how I started. And I just started rapping. And that was it. I mean, uh, writing is something I've always done, like, since back in high school. Um, but, yeah, it was that thing. I just never thought it was a real thing until quite recently. Well, yeah, when did you actually get started making music? And so was that just the catalyst? Was Johnny, like, sending you beats? Or... 100%. That was the catalyst. And I remember we went to perform at Waiting Room and I didn't know my lyrics. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> that was like the first time I ever stood in front of an audience. I think this you was with like... With a mic in your hand. With a mic in my hand, forgetting lyrics. <laughs> and I think everyone thought it was a joke. Well, it's like that you... Like just you being a, like a musician was a joke. Making music, yeah. It was like, okay. <laughs> Sandy is doing something, but okay. Whatever. I think it was a joke. Because well, you were just a part of the scene before then. You were yeah. jawling, you were writing. I was stuff. a big jawler. <laughs> a big jawler and writing hey, stuff. Cape Town, Cape Town allows you to be a big jawler. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I don't know how much, like, because actually, booze in Cape Town is, like, affordable compared to the rent. <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. Like, um, 
And, oh, and parties there are lit, like, when, when they work, they work well. 100%. Everyone in Cape Town loves a jaw. Yeah. So whether it's at an event or anywhere, it's a it's just a jaw. Yeah. And I think the difference for me is that, like, in Joburg, um, we spend a lot of money on the jaw. Yeah, because just getting to the fucking jaw is... You know what I mean? In Cape Town, it just feels accessible. The jaw is, like, super accessible. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone I know stays near the city. Or they, yeah. Or they stay, like, down the coast, and even that's still done. Yeah, so definitely, because I was part of that city bowl scene, everything was easily like... accessible for me. So I guess if I lived outside of the city, it would be a, a completely different story. And you see people moving out of the city just to make sure that they can't, like, go, like, be a part of that life like you oh, see oh like, yeah no definitely it's, a, it's very much um a privileged enclave <laughs> yeah like and then what made you move to Joburg because like, well we haven't even discussed like you originally being from KZN but maybe we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, so I moved to Joburg with my mom when I was 12 years old okay oh so um, you originally in Joburg moved to Cape Town to study Oh. No, I moved okay. to Cape Town because I was sick and tired of journalism. So you were you were a journalist in Joburg. Yes, okay. I started working now, in. Now I, I started time. working in Joburg after varsity, um, and then I just got tired, mate. <laughs> I went to Cape Town this one December to house house sit for a friend and just never came back. <laughs> I know quite a few people with that. And I just never came back and I ended up staying. I stayed in Cape Town for about six months and yo. Oh, you made a lot of connections in six months? No, it was very hard for me to get into. Really? Cape Town was super difficult to get into. Oh, so was this the first pair of time? This is the first okay. six months that I spent there. And I remember someone in Joburg who I met at a party called me at the end of that six months stint and they were like, I've got a job for you. I packed my bags and left the next day. So you hated it in Cape Town? I hated time. it. I hated it. Packed my bags and left for Joburg immediately when they said they had a job for me. Because, I mean, that's the Cape Town experience that everyone... Knows <laughs> 100%. Like, that it's impossible to, like... Yeah, like... I mean, I've even experienced it, like, when I go out in Cape Town, like, and I try, like, just talk to someone. Mm, and they difficult. basically ignore you. Yeah, like, no. To your face. Like, they just don't respond. And you're like, okay, this is fucking weird, but... It's really difficult. But they... So I came back to Joburg and went back into journalism, and I hated it. I hated it. So you spent a lot of time hating things. Yeah, one hundred percent. I spent I've spent most of my life hating shit. <laughs> <laughs> Your music doesn't sound hateful. I'm over it. That's how I know I'm over it. If I wasn't over it, I'd still be talking about all of that shit that I hate. But I'm over it. I'm like ah, whatever. It's done. Now you find you have one hundred percent. I only worked that job for eight months, and I was on another flight back to Cape Town. But why back to Cape Town? Because like, now, like... I started missing... So I had this one friend of mine, Mali, who um, lives in Cape Town and loves it. And we would go do, you know, nice things, man. You know, go yeah. driving to small places, hiking and all of that. And I was like, actually, <laughs> it's I like nice. Laugh. Nice day, Cape Town. <laughs> and I went back and I was like, okay, this time I'm just going to make it work. Like, um, 
no matter what happens, I'm just making it work. And I did. And I made it work. And I'm glad that I did. Because that's when I started getting into the DJing. Yeah, that's where you made all the connections. And that, you exactly. Music. And that's, that's where everything started for me. But then again, I, there was a time when, oh, I got a, a job at another market research company and I hated it. I was like, fuck it, left. But I had so much savings. I didn't know what to do with them. I've been very stupid about, about money for a very long time. <laughs> um, I think I had about 60K. Oh, it's not nice. And I blew a lot of it, jawling, jawling hard. And then I just got on a plane and I went to Southeast Asia. (laughs) You know, some laughing. Got to Southeast Asia and I had those beats, some of those beats that Johnny had sent me in my laptop. And... Yo, I was so bored sometimes being in Asia. I'm not a, a sightseeing sort of person, you know. Like, that shit bores me. Yeah, I enjoy um, it, like, the first day. I really just don't like it. Um, Whenever I travel, I'm about eating the food. I'm 100% with <laughs> You know what I mean? Let me drink your beers and, like, let me, yeah, have your local booze and your local food. Exactly, exactly. So I went to this little town called Pai, which is in the north of Thailand, and I settled there for a while with a friend of mine. Um, Well, he, he had already been traveling with his wife in Southeast Asia, and we... And he saw on Instagram that I was in Bangkok. So he's like, we're going to Pai. I was like, I'm coming with. So I took a taxi, a train, 20 hours across Thailand <laughs> to Pai, settled there. And while I was there, I just whipped out my laptop and there's all this music from Johnny Blood. And I just started recording shit on my earphones. And I, was like to Johnny, yo, I've recorded this shit. We need to put this on SoundCloud now. Johnny's like, hold up, hold up. It has to be mixed. (laughs) And I'm so angry. I'm like, I don't understand why you're holding me back, Johnny. And I need to do this. (laughs) And I I can't remember how I could. I managed to convince Johnny that we need to put out at least one of those tracks immediately. And I'm so glad I did that because I put this track on SoundCloud and Colleen is like, when you get back, do you want to come perform this at Pussy Party? Oh, and, snap. <laughs> and that's how all this shit started, basically. That's a fucking cool story. Like, <laughs> I love when like life works out like that, man. Like yeah. It's so... Yeah, like it's just like with these podcasts, there's been... You know, everyone has different journeys. Yeah. You know, but like I think some of my favorite ones are that the people who don't necessarily know or like keep because I mean I'm one of those people I guess yeah. you know like I've done a million different things at this point and like yeah. you know like my identity is kind of the same but like the thing that like drives that identity is always like a little yeah. different you know and yeah man like I just think it's a really cool thing that like life doesn't go the way you plan yeah 100 like ever unless like for like certain like very small percentage of people who go like this is my plan for life and then Mm. they stick to it and they do it and they kill it and like they're just like you know gods at their shit yeah (laughs) because like they just worked on it their whole lives yeah but you know like 
what does it feel like to like because you're you're like 30 now yeah and you know you're making music now after having done these jobs that were as you said you had 60k saved in the bank <laughs> you're probably gonna take a while to get 60k saved <laughs> in the bank again as a musician Bruh, i doubt it's gonna happen anytime soon 60k that i don't know what to do with yeah i don't know um <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy to be in this place, man, you know? Um, it was, like, you know, when you, when, when you see people and there's an obsession with money, like, I stopped being that person who's obsessed with money. I obviously want to be successful. Yeah. Um, but I'd be lying to you when I say, like, when I, I'm, I think of success, I think, think my life would be, will be easier. But I never think I dream of having one billion rands in the bank. And yeah. I never think that, that way. Like, I'm always thinking, now anyway, I'm always thinking, oh my God, when, when I'm spending three months touring Europe and touring asia that's my thing like with money as well you know what am i gonna put it into like (laughs) you know what i mean um so i like for me it feels great to be at a place where i am now doing something that makes me think that big you know when i was a journalist i never thought I can't wait to write a book about Jacob Zuma's scandals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. So it's, yeah. it's it's really dope to be in a place where you're actually dreaming like big now. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's fucking cool, man. Cause yeah, like just that the going from being unhappy, making all this money. Cause yeah, you got to do so many things also that other people would love to do, yeah, but it just wasn't, it wasn't for me. Yeah. It wasn't my dream. It was someone else's dream. And you found the dream later in life, but actually was music always like a bit of a dream. Like even. Oh, definitely. Like, like even when I was younger, when I was like, younger, I had, I used to, um, you know, the year begins, your mom buys you exercise books and there's a few left over. I yeah. used to use many of them to write songs. I did the same thing. <laughs> you know, and, and and little dramas and things. Or, yeah, poetry, short stories. 100%. Yeah. I think they've still, at my grandparents' house, they've still got those books. I need to look next time I go there. I don't think I want to read. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I definitely knew that I wanted to do something that has to do with either filmmaking. I still want to go into filmmaking. Um, music, something creative. Um, but it became a lost dream. Do you think you... Well, why do you think? Do you think that was like a insecurity thing almost? No, like, it was no. just a, a life thing. I think a lot of... I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, just, I had... I just always wonder why we don't follow our dreams sooner. Like, like, as, like as I said earlier, I find myself in a situation where, um, you know, my mom died when I was 16. So she left us um, with, like, e- each of 
me and my siblings, we all were given amounts of money on some, this is how much you've got, and that's it for that's, you in yeah. life. <laughs> if you misuse this, this is, it's done for you. So for me, that decision to go into journalism, like I said, I didn't know what to do, but because I knew how to write and I was curious and I loved politics. And did you also think it was a stable income? Or like 100%. You, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to have... Because you've had a bit of a rough childhood, from what I understand, like single mom and then. With I mean, I wouldn't say rough. rough. Well, just I like, think it sounds um, rough to a lot of people, well, but just, a lot of people grow up just, like me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also had no father. Like, yeah, so I visit my father like two or three times in my life. Yeah, like and like I read like you know you visited your father when he was in Durban, but like yeah. he was like living a good life and like. Well, <laughs> So, yeah, like, I mean, I also think, you know, journalists over-embellish, like, certain elements in, in, <laughs> of, in of stories. Yeah. So, it does come across almost like, yeah, like, in some of the interviews I read that, you know, your upbringing was a bit tough, but, like, I guess you had a lot of the, lot of female figures in your yes. life. Yes. Like, so you were brought up by your mom and your grandmom? Both my grandmothers. Both and, grandmothers. Uh, like, yeah. Oh, and, awesome. and my aunts, or, like, everyone played a role, you know, um... If I wasn't visiting my dad in Durban during the holidays, I was visiting my aunt in Newcastle, you know. Okay. So it, for, for me, it's it's always... Also because I spent most of my time um, either living with my maternal or paternal grandmother. When people say, where's home? It's, it's, it's literally something I have to think about because I grew up in so, so many, many places. places. And even um, to this day, I guess, everyone still lives in separate places and you go visit them. Like what, a, a little, a little less so now. Yeah, I think I, now... Yeah. Um, Joburg is home. Okay. Like for my sister and I, that's, that's it. Um, but the rest of our family still live in Skawini in Richards Bay. Um, and that's our maternal grandparents' home. They're not alive anymore. So okay, that's, I was going to ask, yeah. That's what we call home because that's where everyone goes back to. So does the family still go back there? Do you still go back there from time to time? Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, my sister and I are based in Joburg and that's it. Okay. That's where we've made our lives. <laughs> and your plans from here, though, because I know you, I've know read like you want to go. You obviously want to go overseas, and I think for most artists in South Africa who can't get on the radio but <laughs> are popping on the internet, yeah, they tend to look at Europe. Are you like, I, planning I, on that? I th- I think the Europeans have shown me so much love. I think I need to do that for myself. Um, but for me, it's it's. Just finding a global market, you know, um, that's what I want for myself, a global market. I don't want to be stuck in one place. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going overseas <laughs> at some point. But well, are, there, are there plans for that at the moment? Like, cause Angie's overseas at the moment and you're working. Yeah. So together. I'm, I'm going to disappear for a few months next year, but um, not for too long. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just a few months to do some work there. And while I'm there, I'm definitely going to be promoting my music. Okay. Um, but before I leave, I want to put out this hot EP that I've been working on. So that's your plan at the moment? That's my plan at the moment, putting out the EP, hopefully one or two videos. Who have you worked with? What's it called? When's it coming the out? The EP. Yeah. Um, Tell us all the things. <laughs> it's six tracks. It's a dance EP. It's dance music. I'm still rapping, but it's dance music. There's, 
I've worked with Tor, obviously. Obviously. Um, there's a track in there from Parable. Dope. There's a track in there from Zara. Zara, and, the uh, guitarist. No, Zara. No. Zara works at um is um co-label owner at Stone Soup with Parable. So she produces. Okay. She produces her own stuff, but she's also a very talented producer. Okay, dope. Um, she's also on the Satronic. Um, um, that's just come out recently. That's just yeah, come yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, she's. We did a track that I think is gonna be very surprising for anyone who listens to Mixed Blouse. It was surprising for me as well. Okay. Um, I'm very happy about that. Um. So yeah, that's that's the plan for now. EP. EP. Oh, what's it called? It's called Homecoming. Okay. <laughs> I wonder, you know, who who might have inspired that name. Um, or, or is it not like a Beyonce reference? Was it just no, a... I did. You see, I haven't even thought this. What? I haven't. Um, I tend when I'm okay. making when okay. I'm making stuff. Um, I don't think about what other artists have done. Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean? I mean, you're an artist. Like, I'm, I just do what I feel. Like, I'm calling it homecoming because it's a homecoming to me. Okay. You know? I, I feel like... Because um, your first, like, release, release since the, that EP with Johnny, right? Yeah, that was SoundCloud. This, so this is my first real, real one. Release. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and because there's so much quieto in it and, like, a lot of just, like, speaking my truth, and it's, it feels like a, a, I'm coming to myself. So that's, okay. that's why I'm calling it homecoming. Okay, so like lyrically you're dealing with more personal issues and like... It's, like it's, yeah. it's very personal, but a, a lot of people won't be able to pick that up. I'm very good with... Because you're saying it's a disco vibe as well. So like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 it sounds very optimistic. It, okay. Yeah, it's an optim very optimistic sound, um, but it deal it deals a lot with personal stuff, but um, in a positive way. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know. Um, okay. Yeah, it's about how I feel right now. I feel like I am me, and that's why it's called homecoming. Back to me. Back to you. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for your time, yeah, Sandy. You. Like, this has been really, really fun. I'm glad I finally got to meet you. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, I think Johnny sent me that track, like, or that EP, like, like directly years ago, and I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. I've been, like, you've been on my radar for so long. Yeah. Like I said, uh, Parable actually asked me to set this up last time I was in Joburg, but... I didn't have like the like getting around was just such a mission like when yeah, I was in Joburg last Joburg time. for you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for coming through. Awesome. Uh, thank to, you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks to Andrew for hitting me up and making it happen as well. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing you in Durban again. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be quite fun. And I look forward to seeing you overseas. Yeah. One hundred percent happening soon. <laughs>